double digits, man. Welcome to the 10th episode of Chickpea Powered, the podcast for vegan athletes and entrepreneurs who want to change the world. Man, Oliver Zerg is here, host of Chickpea Powered, and damn, I think I hit a streak or something because every single episode seems to be better than the next. I'm just, again, I gotta say it, grateful for all you people getting here and joining the community and being part of something great, man. If you're at the breaking point of going for something big, sacrificing something is probably what you need to do. I went to the mastermind in Miami to see my mentor, Jeremy Haynes, and he talked about how how he scaled from 10K a month to 50K a month and how he had to fire his entire team to be able to do that. And that just shows that sometimes get out of the current comfort zone you have to be able to sacrifice something and sometimes it means it all ed bauer is also a live example of this on today's show he talks about how he had to sell out sell his car for 3500 or so to open up a gym and create the dream of his life so man if you're at the breaking point just remember you're only a few steps away so enjoy this interview get some value out of it and just stay awesome Hope you're doing great. Again, today we have an awesome guest, Ed Bauer, co-founder of The New Ethic. Awesome to have him as well on the podcast. So what's up, Ed? How are you doing? Hey, doing well, Oliver. Thanks for having me. Man, I'm a big fan of what you're doing, The New Ethic. I want to know something that no one knows about you. Let's see. Um, I feel like a lot of people don't know that like I'm from upstate New York and like my, my main background is hip-hop music. Um, just came from a you know neighborhood that was you know very multicultural. Um, so I just had a lot of respect for people of different diversities, right? So like when I kind of saw how racism was in different camps, especially in, with white people, like I was I was more way more engulfed, and I feel like hip hop was a, a wonderful way to learn more about black culture. Mm-hmm. So um, and I was from upstate New I'm from upstate New York, so just like in the early early '90s, like I just gravitated towards you know, like hip hop culture. And like, that was a big part of my uh, kind of growing up. And I feel like a lot of people don't know about that about me. Mm-hmm. And do you feel that still translates into what you're doing right now? Not, I mean, not so much. I mean, like the primary thing, like we, we run a, a gym here. Mm-hmm. So the primary thing is just working with people from all backgrounds um, and all fitness levels as well. So that's another thing. Like we don't just try to work with people that are like elite level athletes. We try to work with just anybody that wants to put fitness into their life for the benefits to, you know, whether it's like just moms or, you know, people who haven't worked out in like 20, 30 years or people with injuries, people with like knee problems, um, people from any background, um, gender preference, sexual and any, any, any background is totally fine. Okay. So I like that all inclusive aspect. That's really cool. Yeah. And was there any turning point when you realized you had to go into fitness? Cause you told me you were vegan before you went into the fitness industry. And so, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So my background, my dad got me into working out because when I was like 10, 11 years old, I was really into skateboarding, but my father was into lifting weights. He was into boxing. So he, um, he was into just boxing kind of for like, you know, protection, like the, the component of like taking care of himself and doing well if he got in fights. Mm-hmm. But, um, he got into powerlifting, got really into bench press and squats and things like that and competed in, um, competed in a few different meets back in the early 90s. So I'm like 11, 12, 13, like coming of age, you know, still into skateboarding. And then uh, I was like, well, I want to look good for, for ladies or whatever. So I started working out when I was 15. And um, so that was like just something that I 
it made me feel good about myself. It made me like, just, it, it felt like I can like just be more confident, like walking through life. Right. When I was kind of like working out a little bit. So that was kind of my early start. And then, um, I went to college for graphic design. Um, cause I, I was also into like graffiti with the hip hop culture thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it came time to decide on a, a degree, I decided to go for graphic design because that seemed like something that I can do that's still artistic that I can apply to like a business world. Mm-hmm. And then from there, I started a t-shirt company called Motive Design. So I did that for a while, making like shirts for, and I was vegan at the time already. So I made some shirts for animal rights and I'm straight edge, which means a lifetime commitment to abstain from drugs and alcohol. So I don't drink or smoke or anything like that. So I made a few shirts with that kind of theme as well. And I uh, did that for a bit, and I had a graphic design like office job, and then um, then I actually got in trouble for graffiti, and then I got laid off from my graphic yeah. design job, ironically, and then uh, then I kind of was doing a few odd jobs through my 20s, and then it wasn't until I was about 26 years old that I found um, I got a job at a front desk at a gym, and I was already like working out myself anyway, and I just wanted to get the job just to get a free membership so I could work out myself. And then I realized that like veganism and fitness, like there wasn't anybody really out there um, putting the two together. This is in like 1995, 1996 or um, 1995, 1996 when I went vegan. But even um, when I got that first job was in 2005 mm-hmm. in a gym and it still felt like there just wasn't a lot of like material out there for like veganism and uh, fitness. So I started working at a gym at a front desk and then um realized that people need guidance with with fitness so i i studied and got a my first personal trainer certification and became a personal trainer and uh yeah started doing that since 2006 and then that's basically what i've been doing since then so i've been in the fitness industry for about 12 years wow that's awesome so that's a big jump though like from graphic designer all the way to the fitness industry yeah yeah (laughs) so that was a kind of cool part about that though is um I worked for this gym in, in Iowa called um, Northland Fitness for a bit, and then I moved to Portland, Oregon, which was very vegan-friendly, lots of vegan restaurants, and then I got a job at 24-Hour Fitness. So I kind of just spent a couple of years there getting my experience up, working with a lot of different people. Um, I was still kind of shy about talking about nutrition in terms of, like, promoting plant-based nutrition, you know, like beans and tempeh tofu and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of quiet about nutrition for a bit, but then, uh, I met Robert Cheek, of veganbodybuilding.com. Yeah. He was like one of the first guys out there actually competing in bodybuilding as a vegan. Um, so I met him and we ended up becoming workout partners for a bit. And then, uh, he, I told him I wanted to do bodybuilding and he called me <laughs> out and said, he's like, I could either talk or I can do it kind of thing. So, um, so yeah, basically I signed up for a bodybuilding competition and um, I did did pretty well. Um, I got first place my first time out and then um, became <laughs> a sponsor well. became a sponsored athlete <laughs> with veganbodybuilding.com and got my picture in a few magazines, which was cool. And then right. uh, yeah, then just kind of started getting more following from that. And then a couple of years later, just kind of getting tired of being underpaid for my my services at a, a big corporate gym like Twenty Four Hour Fitness. I decided it was time to open my own space, so I opened a small gym in uh, Portland behind uh, Food Fight Grocery and Scapegoat Tattoo. At the uh, There's a vegan mini mall in Portland, so I ended up opening up a space behind Food Fight, 
and uh, started training people there and promoting veganism a little bit more and kind of just went from there. Awesome. Wow. So, man, you're probably like big in the industry, especially because you're one of the pioneers in the vegan bodybuilding industry. Is there something that you feel that is over talked about or not true when it comes to vegan bodybuilding? A big thing that's over talked about or not true is um, like people think you can't have, you can't gain muscle and get strong on a vegan diet. Like that's still kind of the thing, but especially in the age that we are in now, like with Instagram and everybody's posting pictures, everybody's kind of like, they can manipulate pictures, they can manipulate lighting and, you know, people are using Photoshop in the background to like make their muscles look bigger and all these things. And also people use steroids. Again, going back to, I mentioned how I'm straight edge. That's a lifetime commitment to be drug free. Like the concept behind that is simply just taking care of ourselves so we can make good decisions through life. Right. Mm. And also hopefully live longer because we're not putting harmful substances in our body. I am against steroids. A lot of people in the fitness industry take steroids and that is like an enhancement which allows them to train harder, like basically ups their testosterone to unnatural levels and therefore they can recover faster, train again, recover faster, and they're going to get results that are essentially not the same as what somebody can do without. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a quick question about that? Are steroids uh, still prominent in the vegan bodybuilding industry? I don't know about vegan bodybuilding. I think there's probably a few people out there that use steroids, but it's it's really hard to tell. And, like, people typically aren't going to be honest about that because it kind of feels like people that do take steroids, it, it kind of feels like cheating. Um, and I think it's cheating, especially if you're not being honest about it. Um, and with bodybuilding, too, the first competition I signed up for was with an organization um, that didn't do testing. So there could have been other athletes that I was competing against taking steroids, but luckily there weren't. I only competed against two or three different people that first time out. And, um, and I won because I had, I was very lean. I had a good sense of like posing and like I had my routine down and like a good presentation for the package that I brought. Um, but if I did compete against people taking steroids and it would have been a harder competition for sure. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And since you were able to be in that competition, do you have any tricks for someone who wants to start bodybuilding? Well, bar- bodybuilding particularly, like competitions. Oh, man. Yeah. Take your time. Um, basically, like, commit to, like, 12 to 14, maybe 16 weeks. It's a slow process. Um, so early advice on that one would be, like, get your body fat measured. Okay. And your your end goal is going to be, like, something like around three to 5% body fat, which is very low. Mm-hmm. And the fastest anybody should lose body fat is like one to two pounds per week. So if you get measured and you have like, you're at like 25% body fat and you have like 50 pounds or something like that, that's going to take a long time to lose. Mm-hmm. So the biggest thing I'd say is just like, take your time, be consistent. Yeah. And like do your research in terms of like what you need to eat, macronutrients, what kind of routine you need to be on, but it's a slow process for sure. Mm-hmm. Was there any like major pitfall when it came to your training uh, experience that really got you off track and how were you able to overcome it? Yeah, I'd say, um, I don't know, in terms of pitfalls, like they come in in many ways, you know, but typically it's going to be how well I can manage to not eat specific favorite foods. So if you have a sweet tooth for cookies and cakes and 
you know, you like salty, oily things like, you know, vegan burgers and pizza and things like that, then that's going to, you know, throw you off. So the biggest thing is like focusing on the better you can like focus on just what your goals are. And for me, like I was trying to make an, a, a positive example of what a vegan athlete can look like. So because like that's super important to me to like promote veganism and promote not killing animals, not not eating animal products in order to create a more compassionate world. Like it, basically that was my goal. So it helped me stay on track better. Um, I would say what gets me off track now is just the amount of competition that there is now. And like with Instagram, you could see like Instagram and Facebook, there's so many people that are on board now. And like mm. these young, I'm 38 years old. I've been doing this for a while, but like mm. there's like 22, 23 year old kids that are coming up and like, you know, they're lean and muscular and all that stuff. So it's hard to keep up with just like you know, the next generation of athletes coming up. Wow, for sure. And you've probably acquired so much experience in that field. Can I ask you going back and like linking yourself with the new people that are coming in? What would mm-hmm. you tell your what would you tell your 18 year old self? Oh, man, I would have started earlier. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and I also, you know, again, I'm 38 years old, but I'm also interested in CrossFit. So I've, I've kind of competed in a bunch of different things already. In 2010, competed in bodybuilding, 2011, bodybuilding, um, 2012, CrossFit, 2013, CrossFit, um, 2014 with the plant-built team, I competed in men's physique, uh-huh. which is like, imagine like men's magazine cover model type thing. Uh-huh. So muscular and lean, but not quite as muscular as bodybuilding. So that was in 2014. Um, 2015, did powerlifting, which is squat, bench, and deadlift. Um, 2016, I think I took the year off and then 2017 last year competed in Olympic weightlifting. But yeah, no, I'd say just advice I had, I'd have for anybody who's like 18 is like commit to one goal and, and, and <laughs> that based on what I said, like I've kind of been all over the map a little bit, which is, it's good. And my, the reason I want to do that is get more experience, but, uh, it's kind of hard. You can't be good at everything. So you got to kind of step back and just kind of focus on one thing at a time. Yeah, man, I guess that's the hardest thing when you're so young, 18, 19. Mm-hmm. It's the hardest thing to just focus on one thing. Yeah. And that's always the advice we get, but awesome to hear that from you. Cool. And, of course, that could be, like, a complete other conversation, and I know your time is valuable. I'd like to go into the business side of things and yeah. hear how you started uh, New Ethic. Well, before New Ethic, I started a gym called, um, again, I was in Portland and the food fight grocery store, they had a storefront and in the back of the building, they had a small warehouse, which they used for mail order stuff. Right. Mm, yeah. So I, I knew the owners, Chad and Emiko. So I talked to them and I, 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 I checked to see if I can, I asked to see if I could rent out a small chunk of their warehouse to turn into a gym. And they said, yeah, mm. you know, I wrote up this thing. My rent was 500 bucks a month. Um, I had a Honda Civic, a 2001 Honda Civic, Sold my car for like thirty five hundred bucks. That's all the money I used to start a business. I took thirty five hundred bucks. The rent for the um, <laughs> the section of the warehouse I had yeah. was five hundred dollars a month. So you know, I saved up. I bought a squat rack. I bought some barbells. I bought some plates. I bought some you know suspension straps, some dumbbells, kettlebells, just kind of like a simple a simple setup. Um, some mats to make the gym have rubber mats, things like that. Oh and man, yeah. I started training like groups of three or four people and then I got a little bit more popular. So I started training like five or six people and then the word got out that I was a vegan personal trainer in Portland, had my own vegan gym, all this stuff. Um, and that was called plant fit training studio. 
So basically, I started just getting more people coming in. So I had more money to work with. I bought more equipment, bought more equipment, bought more equipment. So then, um, so it was Plant Fit Training Studio. I was there for about a year and a half, ended up having to relocate. So um, we ended up moving into a bigger space still in Portland. And I um, teamed up with a guy named Jason Morris. So he was another vegan personal trainer in Portland. So he started working with me. And, um, yeah, then we just kind of ran the gym in Portland for quite a while, like another year, maybe a year and a half. And then, um, I got that experience and got more equipment Then I ended up, I wanted to leave Portland. So I ended up selling the gym and all the equipment to Jason. And then I moved to Portland or excuse me, I moved to San Francisco to be with Holly because her and I met a couple of years prior to that. We, and we were dating long distance for about a year and a half. So I was still in Portland and she was in, in San Francisco, California. So I was like, well, I want to, I want to be, be with her. So <laughs> yeah. So I had that original gym, sold it. Then I had, you know, a small wad of cash to work with, um, moved here, basically just had to, it just took about a year and a half to find the right space. So mm-hmm. The gym that we have now, it was just a listing on Craigslist, but it was a warehouse downstairs with an apartment upstairs that we can live in. So we live above the gym. We have like 2,000 square foot. Um, we have outdoor space. Like we have a, a killer spot in, in Oakland, California for our gym. But we basically just had to wait until we found the spot and then just build it. And then people started coming. Mm, so you did rush in that at, at first? No, no. No okay. investors. Just all out of pocket. Man, and I'm interested to in going back to selling your Toyota Camry. Was that it? No, uh, Honda Civic. Honda Civic. Yeah. And how did you know it was the good decision to sell the Honda Civic? Because I meet a lot of people and they say, I'm not sure I'm ready to take the jump. I'm not sure I'm ready to put that investment into myself. And how did you know you were ready to sell the, the uh, Honda Civic? Well, selling a car was just, I had a car for 10 years and it was time to get rid of it kind of thing. So... Um, but that just means I had a little bit of cash in my pocket mm-hmm. and, uh, but yeah, I was at 24 hour fitness for two and a half years. So we would, they'd have us charge like 65 or $75 per session. So the mm-hmm. client would have to pay that much to work with us. And we only made about 18 bucks an hour. Wow. But they took most of the money. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of felt like I was doing all the work and, uh, you know, I kind of thought like 24 hour fitness kind of felt like the McDonald's of fitness. It's just like, they're just trying to get people in there that, that, that kind of model, like they just want people to sign up and not really work out. They kind of ideally want people to get on that monthly membership and then not show up. And that's different from, I was like, I'm passionate about helping people get in better shape and and, and feel good about, you know, being in their body, like how strong they are, you know, what they look like and all that stuff. So I was passionate about helping people. And then if I can promote veganism on, on the back end, then I could promote, you know what I mean? People eating more plant-based, less animals are dying, people are feeling better, they're breathing better, you know, it's like, it's all these benefits. So I was like looking around, I just knew I didn't want to work for them anymore. And my dad was a, he worked for himself, he was an entrepreneur. My dad would buy like beat up empty buildings and he'd like rebuild them. He was really into construction. So he'd actually build out the floors and the electric and the plumbing and put in the walls and things like that. And then he'd make them into apartments and collect rent and, and save money. Then he did that a couple of times and bought, you know, bought more buildings and, you know, he was a real estate person. Um, so he worked for himself. So like 
I knew that I didn't want to work for somebody the rest of my life. Um, mm-hmm. And like fitness was like the opportunity I had just to kind of start small because like you don't really don't need, you can get fit with little to no equipment, right? Mm-hmm. Like bodyweight movements, like squats, deadlifts, or no, not squats, deadlifts, but like push-ups, pull-ups, lunges, jumping on things, you know, like the plyometric type stuff. Yep. You can get pretty far with that. Handstand push-ups, pistol squats. There's a lot of things you can do with, like, little to no equipment. Mm-hmm. But barbells are fun. So <laughs> That's you, the thing, right? When you can throw a heavy weight over your head, it's pretty It's yeah. pretty awesome. Yeah. And so going back to the um, 24-hour fitness, yeah. how do you make sure right now, if you could go, like, super specific, how do you make sure that you're really empowering your clients on a day-to-day basis? Well, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. Just basically, like, you empower them by giving them stuff you know they can do. Like, don't set them up for failure. Um, kind of tell them what you expect out of them, and then let them succeed. Like, show them how to succeed. Mm-hmm. Okay, and how do you know between, like, the, the middle ground between not pushing them too much, not setting them up for failure, but still pushing them enough so they get out of the comfort zone? Oh, that's good. Um, that's easy though. It's like it comes with experience. It comes with watching. Okay. Watching people work out. So, for example, a back squat. Do you lift weights? Uh, I used to. Now I do more yoga and handstands. Oh, but cool. I do. I did a lot of squats and deadlifts before. Okay, but say for example, um, what was just as an example? Um, mm-hmm. if you could think of how much weight you can squat ten times, whatever okay. weight that is. Okay. Like 10 times is in like 11 or 12 is really hard. There's a speed. There's, there's a, you can look at their face and see how challenging it is, right? Yeah. So if, if I put on, say, like 75 or 85 pounds on the bar and then you squat like 10 times and you just look like, you know, you're like reading the newspaper, you're just like casually talking to your friends, like squatting and it's like no big deal. You can tell that's not hard. The, perce- the exertion is very low. So I can be like, okay. So let's put on like 95 or 115, something like that. So put on 115, you get 10 reps, and then, you know, all of a sudden you're breathing a little bit harder. You know, you have to, you know, you, the bar is moving a little slower, but you're still successfully getting it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I okay. know I have an idea. You can probably get about 10 pounds more, like maybe 125 is going to be that sweet spot. Um, so one, <laughs> I say appropriately challenging, <laughs> right? I use these phrases yeah. I've been training for a long time, but like if somebody – I can tell if it looks easy. And if it looks easy and somebody's working out in the gym, I'm like, no, you got to put more weight on. <laughs> like, uh-huh. if you're trying to get stronger than you were before, then you have to challenge yourself. And, like, a big thing is, like, getting people to realize everything they want with fitness is right outside of their comfort zone. If you get out of your comfort zone, that's where the good stuff happens. Mm, okay, I like that. I like that answer. And, of course, like, we could be chasing that for forever. Yeah. Maybe going down for one last question. Sure. Um. What do you think was the 20% of your actions that gave 80% of the results to where you are right now? Is there any specific pattern you were doing over and over? Like, for example, Holly, she mentioned it was mindset, meditation, mainly. (laughs) And just doing that regular practice of mindfulness. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's my partner, so we do that. And I actually, we meditated already, like three times today for like we do like like little five minute five five minutes like earlier in the day and usually like eight or ten minutes in the evening mm-hmm. but anyway um 
No, that's really important just to kind of stay present to, you know, anything that you're struggling with, right? Mm-hmm. But if you're struggling with anything, you're not feeling confident or you're feeling tired, any of that stuff, they're, they're all stories. So whether they're true or not doesn't matter. It's what you what you want to put in your head. You know, it's like if you can meditate and clear all those negative thoughts out, then that gives you space to put in some more positive thoughts of like, basically focus on what your goals are, focus on what your objectives are so you can do those better and more confidently. Um, so yeah, mindfulness is really an important part, but consistency, man, I'd say consistency is so big. Like, you know, we work out five days a week. We eat pretty similar things every morning. We, you know, take similar or specific supplements on a regular basis. You know, there's like, we do stretching and mobility consistently like there's these like the whole routine of fitness like there's a lot to it but none of it would work if we weren't consistent Mm, okay i like it so it's really consistency right this uh removing yourself from the end result and just focusing on the process exactly yeah yeah that's a big thing too yeah just focusing from the day-to-day the um the habits that we have daily is what's going to result in our our end goal but we really can't focus on you know Uh, your mm-hmm. your one or two year goal. It's about just focusing on the day to day act actions that are going to help you get there. Awesome. Well, Ed, thank you so much again for joining me on the podcast. How can people connect with you? Um, they can connect with me on our website, so newethic.net. Um, on Instagram, my name is Ed Bauer XVX because of the vegan straight edge. And then um, wait, what's the XVX? X means straight edge. In the okay. sense of, uh, you know, when you're underage and you go to a bar, okay, and you can't buy you can't buy alcohol, so they they'll put an X on your hand. Uh huh. That's a way to indicate you can't get yeah, drugs, yeah. you can't get alcohol. <laughs> That's where the scene came from. Um, okay. Straight Edge, Straight Edge kind of came around from from Minor Threat Band in like 1982. They made a song called Straight Edge and kind of talked about that and like the X on the hand was kind of like the symbol for Straight Edge. And okay. V for vegan, so XVX is just like shorthand for vegan Straight Edge. But yeah, so through Instagram, then our email is newethicstrength at gmail.com, and um, that's about it. It's an easy way to get a hold of us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ed, for your time. Absolutely, man. Have a good one.